You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And that's exactly what the Flyers did to this fan base this past week. Despite going 3-2, and two, uh, the two losses were so bad that they cannot be overlooked. Join us as we talk about, I, I don't know, why we're Flyers fans? Hey everybody, I'm your host with the most, Joe Gazarian, and I'm not even going to front. I didn't even bother to watch Saturday's game. I saw the writing on the wall, and I elected to spend my Saturday evening not upset and throwing things at my television. So, yeah, not bad. Better way to spend the Saturday. Yeah, unfortunately, I had Twitter finger duties, so my Saturday was spent watching um, most of that game, and let me tell you, uh, it is not getting any better at all. Yeah, Mike Zawissa, and uh, I'll gladly admit that I was in the same boat as Joe. I had a nice night reconnecting with some old friends, uh, didn't even bother to flip on the game in the background, and uh, at least the highlight of the Saturday was our brief engagement with Charlie O'Connor. That was that was something to look forward to, I guess. That big J journalist interacting with us, I, you know, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I had a, by the way, you know, you, you guys can see the fans kit, but I mean, look at that haircut. Come on. Ooh, Unbelievable. Fresh. Clean. Unbelievable. Clean. Shout out to Big Al. Shout out to Dana. My guy hooked me up, but um, yeah, not not a great, not great when you you lose as a Wizza, you know, to, to a hockey game. Something clearly is wrong um, if if you lose Mike to to not watch the Flyers. But uh, before we get into the games, uh, Matt, you want to take us for a quick word with our sponsor? Yeah. So this is the time for teams to prove if they're contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports, is giving new players. A free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in on the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how many how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with the DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. I mean, Philly, has there ever been... A better bet than the Sixers right now. This team is legit, and at least one team in the city is doing them proud. Uh, with DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head up to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Oh, very good, Matt. Solid read, Matt. Excellent. Big read. Excellent. By the way, we should let the uh, the listeners know, one of you tweeted it, uh, Syracuse and uh, and my alma mater, West Virginia, are going to go at it. So, uh, Mike. So it's like a Zarian matchup. Should we put a friendly wager out there? Maybe maybe $5 hairs? Ooh. $5 hairs right. on the winner? Yeah, $5 on the winner, and then the loser has to do the next week. three ad reads. Ooh. Next week of Flyers games. 
Oh yeah, yeah. The loser has to take Twitter and do the next three ad reads. <laughs> that's that's too much. That's too much. Yeah, that's, that's a big punishment. Uh, three three ad reads. Middling team. Hundred percent do three ad reads. I'll do that. I'll do three ad reads and five dollars. You got it. If uh, if, West, right. if West Virginia loses, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. I guess. I mean, no, the three of us don't want to talk about this team right now. But here yeah, we I are. I did the full the full one eighty today. When do you guys want to record? Uh, yeah, let's do it, do it late. And then immediately I was like, actually, no. Let's get this shit out of the way. Yeah, let's let's get this out of the way. Um, the Flyers did beat the Islanders barely. Uh, the first game, four to three in overtime. Um, no, sorry. Was it overtime? Am I crazy? No, no they didn't. They won right. I thought it was going to go to overtime. <laughs> I don't think I was alone there. Um, it's the same same kind of story that we've been seeing across. I don't know since the second game, probably. Um, one day, Mike, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to find where I put it. It's like, hey, this team is really bad defensively overall. And you both were like, it's early. <laughs> I'm going I'm to send it to you so you could splice it. But. Um, yeah, I. Where do you guys want to go with this? Uh, obviously, well, we all watched was, that game, so. Yeah, I was thinking about this one a lot because. It, it is like, that that first Islanders game, you come out and you see, like fifty, five minutes straight of or not fifty like like fifty minutes straight of some of their best hockey in the season, and like you know by every every thing you could look at they just played so good through 15 minutes which they which they had to do they had no other choice they had to do that and then you get a five minute stretch where the play decidedly goes in the islanders factor and like when we talk about 60 minute efforts there is never a game where like a team has for a full slate they're just own the play the entire game like hockey is an ebb and flow game like other teams are going to get chances you know you can't really stop that but like when you play 55 minutes of, like, perfect hockey, you generally expect to win the game pretty sizably. But with this team, it's, like, a five-minute stretch where, you know, the other team gets a good stretch of play. That's fine. That happens in hockey game. But with this team, it's, like, that five-minute stretch of the other team playing well turns into the most disastrous stretch of hockey. Snowballs. Imaginable. It, yeah, which is inexcusable. Look, I if, if they had played that game and... You know, through because the the scoring for the Islanders started at what like twelve minutes in the third, and then in the next five minutes they tied up the game. Like, if the Flyers are playing and they let up one goal or two goals in a five minute stretch, and then and then they wind up just you know clear, closing out the game, scoring a goal at the end, and and you know getting an empty netter to top it off. It's like, well, you know, the Islanders cashed in on a couple chances, but it was still really good effort. But it's the fact that like you you lose every amount of credibility you have like from the playing a good game overall and dominating for so long and then when you when play tilts the other way it just goes so bad that can't happen like a good team cannot let the play when it tilts the other way just snowball into goals that like that just should not happen it's so frustrating because it leaves you walking away from that game like yeah, they were the better team through the stretch, the majority of the game, but they they almost let it get away from them somehow. Like, yeah. and that's when ex- it, it, it shouldn't have happened. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. It's it was like you have such a good game, and then the fact that they tied up in that short span. Not that I thought like okay, just because they had this one good game, they're going to turn things around. Mm-mm. But it was so demoralizing that the, like they couldn't even just close out that three that three zero lead. 
Yeah. And you brought it up. It's it, the weirdest part about this team is they need a reason to actually play. They can't just yeah. show up and be like, oh, you know, like this is our job. We have a good team. We're going to play well today. Like I feel like the conversations always surrounding like, oh, like Limblom had to fight someone, so now they have to play. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, like, am I a missing million, the do- point? Millions of dollars don't get you off the bench. Yeah, like that. That's the biggest issue, and and that's why it 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 trickles down to everyone. It's the players, and people are some for some reason trying to decide on like what one part of the organization it is. Is it the players? Is it the coaches? Is it the the front office? It's obviously all of them, but the players, for some reason, and it's too many coaches deep at this point to say like it has to be just like the head coach, that whatever it is about this core leadership, not saying anything about their leadership abilities, it's just we, we've seen this year after year, and they just don't get up for games. They don't get up to the start. They'll play good in the second, then they'll play terrible in the third, or they'll play good in the first and play good in the third and not play good in the second. It's just it's never-ending and you shouldn't need a reason to show up to a game when you're a professional athlete, and that's what this team is right now. When they started to crater and basically turtle after the Islanders put, like, two good shifts together, proved to me this team is mentally just broken. They're just, they just they can't do it. Because I, I ran to Twitter that night, and I remember tweeting. I was like, there's no way they blow this, right? Like, after they scored the goal and it was 3-1, I was like, there's no way they're going to blow this, right? And they did, and um, it, it came very quickly. Um, I don't know how you fix this team. I, I think mentally they, you know, the second something goes wrong, they completely shit the bed. Um, or just, you know, a team has two good shifts, and they, like Mike said, they really, really allow that to snowball into all of a sudden that team has now a great period instead of just a great shift. And then they dominate the rest of the period in the next game. And... You know, I, well, it, it's wild because like right after the Islanders tied it, the Flyers started putting good shifts together. Like, yeah, it, it's so it's like it. what Matt, exactly what Matt what you were saying. They needed a reason to, oh shit! Well, the game's tied again. Now we have to play good hockey again. Like what? Like, and it and it's getting to the point where like there was a lot of talk. Like, well, Carter Hart needs to come up with a save here. Yeah, sure, maybe he he could have had the first one. The second one ramped off of Sandheim stick. Maybe probably if he could have gotten it, it would have been good. The second, the th- the third one was I don't understand how people are like it went off his chest like it was a cross ice seam pass down to the guy at the side of the net. So that's like, also on defense, just leaving someone yeah, completely exactly. Alone. So like we're at the point now where a goal happens and you get the defense and the goalie looking at each other like, oh fuck, was it you or was it me? Was it both of us? Like oh no, go, like. And then they neither of them have confidence in themselves or in each other. So then instead of, like, when a, a goal happens against a team that isn't weak, like, in the locker room or weak mentally or weak whatever, a goal happens and everybody looks at each other and goes, don't worry, we got, like, that was a, that was a breakdown all across the board. Or, or a goalie lets in a weak goal and the goalie goes, my fault, we'll get him next time. The team goes, no worries, we'll get it back for you. Like, Instead, everyone's just like looking at each other, like, "Oh shit! Like, what's gonna happen next?" Like, and everyone starts. It feels like they panic. Like, yes. "Oh god! Well, if that went in, well, then the next shot might go in too." And it's like, just tighten up. But they they have no ability to do that. The team's just broken. I think I said that uh, after the Islanders tied it on was that Friday night. And it's made worse it's in my night. in my Thursday. opinion by the coaching is because one I talked about during the game yesterday, two nothing. Call a timeout. Oh, you're speaking my language, Maddie. 
Well, you no, it's not even, my language, baby. even in the Islanders game, like you said, like if they get one and you're AV and you have a pulse on this team right now. Yeah, I don't know how broken, you don't call a timeout when, when they... If it's 3-1 or 3-2, call a timeout and be like, hey, yeah. we're good. We, we still got this. They put together good shifts. Like, I'll never understand his fixation on holding on to these timeouts. Yeah. And it, it's obvious he doesn't have a pulse on the team, as he even said yesterday. He has, yeah. Which is... I, Hanks, I un- Hanks tweeted that she was like the quote someone tweeted the quote from AV like if I could put my finger on it like I, I would fix it and she's like that's literally the coach's job is to have an idea of where the team is at and like I like AV I thought he was a really good like a positive for the Flyers last year I think his system should gel with the type of team the Flyers have and for whatever reason like it the whole thing is just not working this year. And he's he's obviously a part of it. I think it's primarily on the players. But, yeah. I, he's, he's making it worse because I think part of the issue we talk about on defense and, again, coming growing up as a defenseman, if you're constantly worried, and I'm not making an excuse because they've all played terrible. And mm-hmm. maybe this will be a good time to kind of talk about what I meant about, like, accountability with the tweet with Charlie is that, like, Phil Myers has been terrible. He was rightfully scratched. Sanheim, Proby have have some bad games you don't scratch them because it doesn't it makes the team worse by having them out of the lineup which is yeah. gets to another conversation that okay like according to their metrics ghost defense has been trailing off but you look at Prosser you look at Gustafson neither of them bring enough that you say okay like you're willing to make the team worse to kind of send a message yeah. and it's that's what I'm talking about in terms of he's held to a different level of accountability that others are not for some reason. And at, at, at this point, like for him, I, I feel bad and I almost want him just to be on another team just so that he can play hockey. Because at this point, like, it's obviously not going to work here. And the constant scratching of players, if you're playing defense and you're worried about making a mistake, that's all you're going to do is make mistakes. And that's evident, so evident with this defensive core. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with the players and them making the decisions, but the constant scratching and j- jumbling of pairs doesn't help anyone. I said it before, um, you know, like when an athlete has a really bad injury, if they, they, they'll come back from the injury in terms of physically, but if mentally they're not back, if mentally they're worried they're going to get injured, when they get on the court, they're going to get injured again. It's going to happen because you, you just – it's. Your body is, is not going to be ready. Your mind is going to basically trick itself, and, and you're going to get hurt. It's the same thing with if you're constantly worried about coming out of a lineup. Like, if you're worried about, oh, my God, well, if I make that pass, like, you're going to overthink things, you're going to overanalyze things, and then you're going to get the puck stripped from you like Nate Prosser did the next night. And, you know, Carter Hart, obviously, we'll get into the goalies in a little bit, but, I mean, that's what happens. If, if you're constantly worried, you're going to get sent – to the press box or and we talked about that with hack stalls the same thing you know the young guys like like connecting and and always being up in the box and stuff like that like yeah if, if you're constantly worried you're going to be stressed and stressed people don't perform at their best or highest level just a fact so you know i i don't know um let, let's get into saturday's game a little more you mentioned oscar <laughs> oscar steps up and and throws down for whatever reason um you know good good on him for for getting in a fight but you know you don't want you don't want it to be him you'd like it to be somebody else um Farabee had a goal another positive um continues to look like he's probably the real thing 
other than that, um, we I just talked about Nate Prosser. He was I, was a three or four goals he was responsible for because I watched the highlights. It was I want to say like directly responsible for two, and then sorry, I got a fire alarms going off. You got a fire yeah, in your house. You want to check your, your do, kitchen? Do a real fire quick? drill real quick. Jump off the the third uh, floor balcony here. Our, our uh, takes are so hot, it's causing your fire alarm to go off. That's what's happening. Jesus, um, I don't even remember what I was saying. What were we just talking about? Directly responsible for two goals. Oh, uh, yeah. So then he also had that brutal turnover to Cal Clutterbuck where Hart came out with a big save. And, again, like, the, the point comes down. four goals in how many minutes? Four goals in, like, five minutes in the first. And it comes down to some – and this is part of the re- reason I believe it is – small portion is on the coaching staff is you're actively making the team better or worse, I should say, having him in the lineup. He, he hasn't played in the NHL in two years. Like, what, what makes you believe, and this gets back to the, the Mark Friedman decision. You have Mark Friedman, and you put him on waivers because you think Nate Prosser is a, like, a good Better substitute. Yeah. And this all also gets back to the Sam Moran. It's like they're saying that apparently he's only playing D in the, in the AHL for, I guess, like the number of players that have been hurt reasons up front or yeah. I don't even know, something like that. And it doesn't even make sense since, like, if you have a first-round pick who only plays defense, we're struggling on defense, and you're putting him at forward, and then you're waving Mark Friedman so that Nate Prosser can play in front of Ghost. Like Those are GM coaching decisions that have made an already bad situation that much worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, you, you mentioned, it's like... Go ahead, Mike, go ahead. Well, it, it's like a... This is like worst-case scenario. And like in the Hackstall years, we saw these type of same decisions that objectively hurt the team. And then there were bad players in the lineup that were also hurting the team. But, and the only, the only thing keeping the team somewhat, you know, at least treading water was the good players playing well. Like we're, we're now seeing the same type of questionable decisions from an organizational standpoint. There's now like a couple more bad players in the lineup than we would want, but like on a whole, the roster has more talent, but now and, like, the, the good players are still playing well, but now it's those young players that were supposed to, to fill the gaps. Like, they're not playing well. That's, that's like, worst-case scenario. It's, like, it's, it, it is really, like, we traded in, like, we got rid of Annabelle and all those guys, and now we're watching good young players struggle and playing at, like, that same level. That's, that's tough. That's, you know, the hope is that those players continue to grow. We talked about nonlinear growth. Uh, last episode and everything like that so you know those players can still turn out fine that's that's perfect but like they were banking on those guys and they're not getting it from right now and it's it's turning into this like it is it's like a worse version of the hacks all year somehow i guess the only only positive or the only hopeful thing is like okay those guys can still get better like i said we knew that chris vanavelli was not like we knew exactly what he was so i but yeah it's 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 pretty dire right now like I don't know. Just, I, I I couldn't even care to watch the game oh. on Saturday. And night. that's like never I, a good sign because that was the hacks all years. Is not caring yep. to watch. I um I want to ask you guys. Did, do you think if they continue to play this shit the rest of the year, what are the odds you think AV and the coaching staff is gone? I they don't turn it around at all. Maybe, but not AV. So you think they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You agree with that, Mike? I, you think I said stays? last episode that they 
I, I'm more leaning towards like a full teardown at this point oh, than gosh. I am anything else. Like after after watching, you know, the way this week went, and they can't even look good in a win, and there's clearly something wrong here from like I usually roll my eyes at like locker room stories and stuff like that. Like, you know, Silski wrote that hit piece about Carter Hart the other day. Did you guys see oh, that? I didn't oh, see no. that. Oh, Maybe Jake yeah, will he, see he, it. He wrote it he wrote a Carter Hart hit piece. But like That's good. There, there's clearly something there's clearly something amiss here because this team is too talented there's too many people who know what they're doing and too many good players on this team for this to be going this way and then like it's different it's, it's not that they're just not playing well it's that even when they play well th- the things go wrong things spiral out of control so like i like i saw this on twitter and i'm gonna like paraphrase it basically and ask you guys mm. do, are there five players on this team or like who are the five players on this team that you if you had to start over completely who are the five that you would start over with that's pretty easy uh Giroux Couturier Provorov Hart Farabee five you could Farabee and Konechny maybe they I saw a lot of people leaving out Couturier and Giroux. Oh my God! Yeah, I did. I saw. I saw a lot of people saying Couturier has to be the centerpiece of a trade for like an impact young future oh franchise player. Yeah, no, right. he is. He is that. Why would you trade that? You have that already. I saw a lot of people saying like Ludicrous. you got to go hard for Eichel by trading Couturier or something like that. I'm just saying I I don't necessarily I don't agree with that at all. I think Couturier is is a special player that you can build around. But and I agree, Joe. Those are probably my picks too. Um, yeah, I mean, but besides that, like I, I don't care. I, I honestly, I like Travis Konechny. I think he's had some good moments with the team, but I don't, I don't care if if it comes down to like losing him to, I, I just don't, I don't know what what you can really do you, to this team. Yeah, you, besides making huge changes. Yeah, you need a mix up. Like someone mentioned, even if it wasn't a huge thing, like just swapping out players within certain positions, who might be like a lateral move just to change the type of dynamic within, like, the locker room, within the team. We talked about that last week. Yeah, Yeah, and, like, that's – like like you said, I mean, I don't want to say I'm not on board with a full teardown in terms of just, like, complete overhaul of the team just because that should have probably been done so long ago, and I feel like we would be treading in the same position we've been in for so long. But you're right. It's one of those things where, I mean, last year if you said, like, hey, like, Next year, you're going to consider trading Konechny. I'd call you crazy, but even though I love him as a player and as like the personality he is, like you said, he hasn't he hasn't been a player that's been producing and making the plays he made last year. And that speaks to consistency. And if you're not going to be consistent, then there really doesn't that doesn't mean that you're untouchable. Like people who are consistent, like a Coots, in my opinion, or like a Drew, who's been consistent throughout his entire career. And in my opinion, AV, for whatever reason, has been slightly underplaying him, despite him being one of the better players in most games, um, especially recently. Yeah, yeah Giroux has, has rapidly climbed up to fourth on the team in goals and third in the team in points in the last two weeks. Like, he's he's clearly gives a shit. And you can tell, too, like, when he's what, out there. I can't there. imagine what he's feeling in, like, watching this team just buckle around him like this. And I guess part of it, if he's a leader, then he needs to rally, rally them, but, like, He's been putting up with this shit for a decade now. Yeah, like, so you can you can lead a horse to water only so many times it, before. Yeah, that's a great. And that, point. that's what's that's so fresh because I saw the same thing you were talking about, Mike. Is that people are like, I see a lot of people talking about trading Jake. I think sending, trading Drew 
sends a bigger message. And it's like, well, what is the message that you're sending to Drew? It's like, hey, you've been the most yeah. consistent player in this franchise over the past 10 plus years. You're probably going to end up being second, if not tied for the best, or if not the best player in Flyers franchise history. And you're just going to trade him to quote unquote, send a message. What the same message that AV has been sending by scratching players, like that doesn't send any message. All it does is in my opinion, you can kind of alienate part of the franchise who actually care about the team. It's like he's a player who should stay with the Flyers throughout his entire career. Yep. If you trade Claude Giroux, then the issue you run into, even if you keep Couturier, is he going to resign with this team? If we start trying to like, I don't know, like trade for younger players and then he's in his prime and he's part of like a rebuild again, like he's been here long enough as well that he wants. Remember, he was a eighteen when he when he played started. And he was, he was like, he was living with Claude Giroux at one point in his young career. He was living with Danny Briere. Like, how, like, you're going to send a message to him by sending the player who helped build him into who he is away? Like, and like, straight up, like, Claude Giroux is probably the biggest or only reason I've continued to watch this team. Like, I, I, I love the Flyers. I watched, I've watched them through a couple iterations. I was a huge Mike Richards fan. I stuck with the team after they moved him. I was heartbroken. But, like, Giroux has consistently been the player on this team that you tune in because you're like, G, at, at any moment, G can do something special. We've con- we continued to see him do that over the course of his career here. And, yeah, I, that... The lead the horse just, to just water is the perfect way to put it. It's that, like, that is the perfect. It's analogy. like yeah, if he can put up three seasons removed from putting up a hundred plus points, dragging the team to the playoffs, yeah, and then people are like, "Oh, but strip the C, like we didn't win in the playoffs. He didn't show up in the playoffs." It's like yeah, he might have not shown up in the playoffs because they knew he was the only person on the team that could produce. So they probably just <laughs> lot like like what and do then, you think? The game plan around and it. And then when he he has a resurgence, like. Because he was taking a lot of heat this off season or this playoff, and the only reason the Flyers were able to come back in the Islanders series was because Drew played like three straight vintage Claude Giroux games where he factored in on like the overtime goals, like the tying goals, like you know. I I will be irate if they move Claude Giroux. Oh yeah, I don't even. How is it Claude Giroux's fault that? He goes out and single-handedly pulls a rally against the Penguins or, or pulls a rally against, like, whatever team. And then the next night, Phil Myers forgets how to play defense or Travis Konechny can't find the back of the net. How is that Claude Giroux's fault? What more can Claude Giroux do? You keep st- they, they stuck him with Oscar Lindblom and uh, Nicholas Aubin-Kubel the one night, and he still tallied, like, three points. Like, what? He's, he's doing everything possible in every position in this lineup. And he's the one that needs to be moved to send a message. What? What's the message becomes? Yeah, guys, you really fucked up. I had to trade the captain because you guys all suck so bad. Like, oh yeah, mission accomplished. That's really going to do it for this team. Like, give nah. me a break. No, there's, there's, there's. I, I don't. They're not going to move Giroux. That's just. It's not going to happen. Um, no, no. But you don't trade your captains. No, you. I mean, very rarely. Yeah, they. Uh, I, I do think the the culture of this team, though, for whatever reason. It has been trending in this direction for a long time now, and I agree with both of you. They need a shakeup. Um, you asked who my five untouchables were. Basically, like who would I start a new team with? Those are the only untouchables that are on the team. By the way, everybody else, yeah. you know, um, you can you can don't let the door hit you on the way out. If that means 
change it up. And even if it is for a lateral move, Matt, I mean, sometimes you just need a new voice. You need someone else in there. That's why, like, we see coaching changes all the time. Because coaching changes, not all the time is it, like, a massive upgrade. I mean, it's just it's just a lateral move. And we've seen it work where, I mean, I remember, um, was it John Stevens? Mm-hmm. They, they brought him in and, you know, all of a sudden you just you get a different voice in the locker room, a different kind of singing a different tune, and the team really responds. And I don't think they're – I don't know. If they – I'll say this, though. If they continue to be this bad the rest of the year, I mean, I think you have to at least take a look at AV. You have to at least talk oh, yeah. with him. Now, the assistant's been gone for sure. But where – by the way, where's Chuck Fletcher? The idea of- Where's Chuck Fletcher? Where's he? Where's yeah, his media availability? He, he should have. He should have spoken today. Oh, he's just hiding in his in his bunker. Man, I, I started. A, someone joked about this. I saw it on Twitter. But if the season continues to go like this, uh, this is a joke, by the way, Mac, or Mike. Because I know you're going to go nuts. Put a, put a Homer back as GM. <laughs> <laughs> At Dave least he Breer's would do. The next Flyers GM. Hey, I'm calling that actually. Well, no, I know he's, he's they're gonna he's been up he's, in Maine, they're, right? They're grooming him to be that. Yeah, he's in Maine. He's he's in charge of that team. I would not be surprised within the next handful of years. He's that'll piss Montreal off enough too. That'd be great. Let's keep getting them mad. <laughs> Homer's not afraid to make trades though. That's the thing. And, and this team, uh, they they desperately need a shakeup. And and he's done it before. And you know what? I mean, look at the pieces he got back. Um, you know, they were some great players. Braden Shen, when he was here, was terrific. Simmer was one of the greatest flyers of all time to just really represent the team and the brand. You know, Jake was terrific, and we got coots out of it. So, who knows? But there are also, they, some, also some clunkers. Definitely some clunkers. Yeah, he had way. clunkers that later. Set up, yeah. That set up what we're watching currently. Yeah, so. he had uh, he had some clunkers later. Shout out to, uh, to Curtis Foster. And uh, where's the guy he traded from? Tampa Bay. Damn. Curtis Foster is like the word. Like we all freak out about Eric Gustafson right now. Like, oh, you know, Eric Gustafson. Uh, Eric Gustafson was a terrible attempt to replace Matt Niskanen. Curtis Foster was an attempt to replace Chris Pronger. Oh, like, God. I mean, we we know exactly how that went. So that's. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who the guy who was the guy from Tampa that they traded for. Oh, I know you're talking older about. defenseman. I'm looking it up. You guys buy. buy oh, time. Pavel Kubina. Yeah, yeah, Pavel Kubina. He was he move. was one of my favorite defensemen of all time. But prior to like when he was on the Lightning, he was one of my favorites. Yeah, he was at the latter part of his career. He could barely. Yeah, skate. Yeah, it was it was his final season. It was him. He brought in like Hal Gill. He could barely skate. Oh, Grossman. It was Gross- Nick Grossman. Grossman and uh, Kubina were the additions. I'm pretty oh, sure at that Jesus. before uh, deadline. But b- before I actually knew anything about advanced stats, I still don't really. But before I knew. Like about them, like people would trash Nick Grossman, and I would be defending him. I'm like, he's got 80 block shots. Like, leave him alone. He's lying out there. He's giving it his all. And it never, like, never until like I actually started deep diving into into him. Like, oh, okay, well, if he's blocking a lot of shots, that means the other team has the puck a ton, yeah. which means he's always in his own zone, which is probably not ideal. And then well, I, it's like it, it. It's all about context too. Like in the in the playoffs, every block shot is a good play because. It, it, like by that point process process matters i guess but the end result is if you get the win like do whatever it takes to get the win like it doesn't have to be pretty but like throughout the course of a regular season yeah if the dude's just like damn he's got 20 block shots in his last three games like yeah that's not a good thing <laughs> like that's that's no good i am worried about carter Hart, by the way we're gonna be wrapping up here but i am i am starting to be concerned not 
just because goalie it's, it's, is such a it, mental position that and I know he's got a sports psychologist so at least he's you know he's I'm sure he's on top of it but I am a little I'm getting a little nervous. Uh, it's a lost year. For yeah, me. it's a lot. He's not going to he's yeah. not going to recover it this year at all. I'm not worried not about with his him defense. Down the line. And that's no. and that's the main culprit is like obviously he's there's saves he last year would have made and but again it comes down to confidence. It's it's one of those things yeah. now where he knows like he goes into those games. I mean, you watched, you look at the highlights last night. Again, five separate opportunities wide open in the slot, like stuffing yeah. goals into empty nets. It's like, you know, going into the game, he, he's probably thinking about, is he okay? Like, I'm going to have to make up for all these like mistakes. Yep. And then what ends up happening is he's not even making the saves he should be making. Again, not yeah. an excuse because he's been playing terrible of late. But so has Brian Elliott now. And now the, the crowd who's like, oh, Brian Elliott, 60-40. Uh, <laughs> you know, silent. I haven't 60-40. heard a word. Haven't heard a word. Yeah. It's, it's, it's shocking. It's almost like special teams, defense, and effort were the issues. Crazy. Anything else, boys? Are we, uh, are we wrapping up? I had something to say about Carter Hart, and now I, I totally I just, think I about messed it up. I'm going to look at up. the schedule real quick. Keep thinking. They've got uh, Islanders again. They play tomorrow. Fuck me. <laughs> I thought we had a little bit of a break. All right. Is the Islanders, so they play Rangers, the Islanders Devils? tomorrow. It's Islanders, Devils, and then uh, Rangers. Then I'm interested to see what kind of uh, response we get in that post Rangers game after I mean, that nine nothing loss. Not that it really matters, but I am just interested to kind of see. I guess it all depends on if any moves are made in the meantime. But yeah. I don't. Th- I don't know if this. I remember team what I was going to say. Oh, go, go, go. It's kind of. I mean, it's past now. But basically, the, the one big thing I think it's underrated that a lot of people don't necessarily pick up on is that one big thing with Carter Hart right now is the lack of practice time. There is no because of the COVID condensed schedule already, and then the fact that this team lost like a week. Uh, there is no practice time at all, and that's. I'm not. It's not an excuse at all. Because other goalies around the league are playing okay. That's fine. It's when you're struggling, practice time is the most vital thing for you as a goalie. And he's just not getting that. He's not able to work on the little mechanics and everything. He got, like, what, one day or two days to work with Ken Dillaball? And AV's like, yeah, like, I think he's okay now. Like, that's not how that works. He needs to consistently regain his form and, consi- like, consistently be in practice working on that. And they, he just doesn't have the opportunity. Combine that with the fact that... He's seeing every single shot from high danger areas this year. And it, and then on top of that, so he's getting shelled in that sense. And then, Matt, like what you were saying, that leads to lack of confidence and he gets shelled on plays he should get. Like, it is it is the worst combination for him. So I think it, it is just a lost year for him. But, uh, yeah, sorry to backtrack a little bit. No. Lost year. I think uh, I think that describes this, this Flyers team. Um, I, I don't think they're really going to be – I don't see uh, unless they make a change and make it, you know, very soon. I, I don't see this team really making any kind of hard push or anything. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if we actually do become sellers at the deadline, and I will be very upset. But so is life, my friend. You know, there's only so much you can do. We'll see what happens with this team. They got the Islanders Monday, Devils Tuesday. It's another back-to-back. So um, I'm sure we're going to see some iteration of honestly, maybe maybe sit. Put fucking Alex Lyon in that. Who the hell cares? Put him in that for one game. Give give Hart some some time off. 
you know, start Elliot tomorrow, start Lion Tuesday against the Devils. And at this point, it doesn't matter, right? Like, well, just it, it, yeah, it doesn't matter who's in that. No, it doesn't because you know, like, if there's you know three people in the slot, like Matt said, and no one's guarded, you could put you know Hashik in that. He's not going to be able to stop it. So we'll see. Uh, anything else, boys? No, I want to. I want to go back to my uh, my pleasant Sunday. Go back to your pleasant Sunday. We got uh, the Eagles can't ruin today either, so that's a good day. <laughs> you know, we'll uh, we'll keep you guys posted. Um, Hopefully, when we come back Thursday, we'll have some positive things to talk about. Fingers maybe crossed. Some uh, Question? Yeah, maybe, Moves? maybe. If That's Homer the only can, positives uh, I can think of. <laughs> I, I swear, I think they've got Homer locked in like the belly of Wells Fargo Center, and like they're they're just waiting to unlock him from his cage, and he's gonna come out and start banging down on those phone lines. But we'll see. Uh, for Matt, for Mike, for myself, have a great week, Philadelphia.